The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hey everybody, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Another fantastic guest here from the Melbourne Blockchain Centre, this fantastic event. Foot David Martin of one of Australia's most successful ICO projects, Power Ledger. We haven't had you on the show before, David, so no. I'm very appreciative of your yeah. time. Welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Happy to be here. Mate, let's kick this off straight away by just going into depth. I know many of the viewers and listeners out there are familiar with your project, Power Ledger. It has been an absolute knockout in Australia. We'll go into detail about that in a minute, but uh, for those in different parts of the world, because we do have a global audience, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your background mm-hmm. and also why Power Ledger is power ledger. My background. So I've been working in the energy industry in Australia for the last 20 years and mostly in integrated utilities, uh, regulated network utilities. But I was running a project for a a network company about three years ago called their Emerging Technology Strategic Theme. And we were running around the countryside connecting big batteries and uh, microgrids and disconnecting customers where it made sense. And the whole while we were doing that, I started to get concerned that as the price of energy storage fell, there was less and less keeping consumers connected to the grid. So less of a reason to stay connected to the grid. And that's a bad thing because as people defect from the grid or they find less of their energy from the grid, the price of the grid supply and energy for everybody else goes up. And the people that are most impacted by that are the people who can least do anything about it. So people who are financially or socially marginalised, they live in rental apartments, uh, they don't have access to the right sort of roof shape or the roof paints in the wrong direction. They're the ones that get caught holding the bag and paying more and more for their electricity. So about that time, I met one of my co-founders and business partners, Gemma Green, who was doing a PhD on disruptive technologies. And she was kind of following a similar tangent. She was looking at the development of sustainable housing. Having spent 10 years as a merchant banker in London, she found her conscience and was was playing in another space. But Gemma was trying to solve that problem of in a strata development or a condominium development, if there are two people living under a shared roof, we have to agree to put PV on the roof. You work all day from 7 to 7, so you don't see the sun. I work from home. I get the benefit of your investment in PV, so we can never agree to make it. So Gemma was trying to create a technology or, a, or a, a business model that allowed us to separate the value of energy from the energy itself. Mm-hmm. So if I'm at home all day using your energy, at least I'm paying you for it. So you get the benefit of being able to invest confidently in, in rooftop PV, get the benefits of access to cheap energy, even if you're not around to use it because your neighbours who's using your energy are paying you for it. So... I met Gemma while she was doing some research work. We realised we were looking at two sides of the same problem. What we were trying to do was turn the electricity network, whether it was a regulated network where I was playing or an embedded network in a housing development where she was working, into a trading platform. And we looked around for a technology that allowed us to verify the provenance of every kilowatt hour that entered the system. So where it entered it, who owned it, how they generated it, at what price. And the only technology we could find to do that was blockchain. And so we worked with some our three other co-founders who are experts in blockchain development, power system regulation, and we kind of sat back and said, well, we've got an opportunity here to change the way people buy and sell energy. We can create an environment where access to low-cost, low-carbon energy is available to everybody, not just people who can afford to put PV panels on their roof. And we sat back and said, well, this is an industry that's been doing the same thing the same way for the last 100 years. Do we have the appetite to try and really change 
change disrupt through. That, yeah. Well, disrupt it, change, change the way that people see how they generate and will get access to energy. And we kind of realised it was going to be hard work, but it needed to happen. Because say that you know we're we're not actually disrupting the industry here. We've got in Australia probably one of the highest penetrations of distributed renewables in the world. Where I'm from in Perth, it's one in four households. In Adelaide, it's one in three. Brisbane, about one in three. So we've got a really deep penetration of distributed PV. That's the disruption. And because people are getting more and more of their energy off their own roof, the cost of getting energy from the grid for everybody else is is going up. So that disruption is occurring. The Power Ledger platform allows people who have invested in distributed renewables to sell their excess to their neighbours. So if your neighbour can't afford to put PV on his roof or his roof faces the wrong way or it's shaded by trees, whatever it is, he can still get access to that low cost and low carbon energy by buying it from you. A new benefit because instead of just spilling your energy to the grid or selling it to a retailer at you know four or five or six cents, you can sell it to your neighbour at twenty cents. So you can monetize your excess capacity in the same way Airbnb allows you to monetize your spare room or Uber allows you yep. to monetize your car. We allow you to monetize your excess PV capacity by selling your energy to your neighbours. And that model has has application around the world. So whether it's two neighbours selling energy to themselves or it's a a company like our partners, BCPG in Thailand, who are deploying large-scale PV across commercial buildings and using our platform to sell energy to the owners of those buildings and giving the owners of those buildings the ability to sell their excess to their neighbours, it doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do is give more and more people access to low-cost, low-carbon energy right around the world. Low cost, low carbon. Now, let me ask you one question before I go any further. PV, mm-hmm. what does it mean? <laughs> Photovoltaic. So okay, solar so I wasn't meant to know that. No, no, no exactly. <laughs> it's a trick question. Everybody should know. No, PV is photovoltaic. So solar panels on your roof or, right. or in a larger scale, solar panels on a, on a shopping centre car. Yeah, park okay. On the, on, the massive, on the massive warehouse spaces yeah, all around exactly. the country that exist that exactly. are not being utilised right now that are sitting well, there it. underneath this sunburned underneath nation sun. generating power, but they're not. So it's all about sharing mm-hmm. within the community yeah. and renewables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we're helping the consumer and we're helping the planet. Yeah. Now, here's my question, right? That's a wonderful thought. Yeah. I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Right now, how are you finding it? I mean, what I'm trying to get is kilowatt hours are important. We need to have coal power. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not for coal mm-hmm. at all. But we need to make sure that the lights stay on at the hospital. Mm-hmm. We do need to have coal for now. I hope this is what happens. It shifts and dies out and, and, and we see our renewables take over yep. with wind, solar, whatever it may be. Yep. Why not integrate both so everyone wins? Well, that's exactly what we're doing. Okay. So uh, I kind of bristle when somebody says we need coal now because I, I don't think, honestly don't think we do. If Glad, what, I'm the, great to hear that. <laughs> the, the, the challenge we're trying to get to is not a technology one, right? So the, the technology for what we're talking about has been available for a long time. Energy transactions, energy sharing. Blockchain, not so much, but the ability to install distributed renewables for storage, for for switching around faults, for automating your power system, creating smart networks, that's technology that's been around for at least 15 years. The reasons why they haven't proliferated is because they're bloody expensive things to build. (laughs) But now we've got consumers who are en masse building them for us. What we don't have is uh, an economic model that says, well, tell you what, you've got some excess capacity, we've got a system need, so why don't you let me take control of your battery for a period of time, I'll pay you for it, but let me use your battery to provide the sort of things that we've traditionally needed coal-fired plant to provide. So when we look at coal-fired plant, we look traditionally at a power system, we look at it at a 30,000 foot view, we look at all the big units over there, we look at all the customers, we don't look down to the detail. 
We just see it as a system. As it is. When you take that view of the system, yeah, you need coal-fired plant because you need spinning spinning inertia. Because that's a part of that system. You're creating a different system. Well, we're taking the existing system and we're fractionalising it, I guess. So we're not saying that we're selling energy on our system from Sydney to Melbourne or from Melbourne to Brisbane. It's from John to Sandra. Yeah, across the street. And when you break it down to that level, that smaller bite-sized chunk, you don't need heaps of spinning inertia to main power system control or quality or, or frequency. You can use up power electronics for that. You can use energy storage. You can use your power wall. You can use a distributed battery. So we're changing the way we look at the system rather than being one big system yeah. to a bunch of interconnected and dynamic distributed systems where we can manage without the need for big spinning machines. And does it save? I mean, if you look at power stations, right, they are very expensive devices devices to create and when they're built, from my understanding, you need to build them 15, 20 years capacity ahead. So we might only be using this much of what is required now, but you've got to build it because they're so damn expensive and there's these typically funded by governments as well. Mm -hmm. It's our taxpayer money that's being used in a system that's not going to work for a very long time. And then when they get close to capacity, they've then got to spend the next 10 bloody years lobbying to get the next one built, Mm -hmm. and you're constantly playing catch-up. Now, that's our taxpayer money sitting there idle, coming out Mm -hmm. with a negative diminishing return. What we're saying here is that we can actually interconnect and have it... Electricity on demand. On demand, and you can grow your system as demand grows. You can grow it incrementally. So instead of having to build it in 300, 400, 500 megawatt lumps and, like you say, wait for us to catch, to up. catch up, we can build it in smaller scale. So when I started in this industry, I, I remember one of the first general managers I worked for is running the transmission system, patted me on the head and said, son, this industry is about scale. The bigger you make your power stations, the bigger you make your transmission systems, you know, the lower your unit costs, the lower your losses, make it bigger. And that, that whole idea has just been turned on its head. Yes. Because we can build it to scale. Instead of making one big, risky, multi-million dollar investment, we can make thousands of low-risk individual investments as individuals to provide the same level of capacity without the risk, without the risk of stranding, without the huge investment cost. And we can do that in a way that benefits us as consumers and our neighbours and, and the people around us and the environment, as you say. So the industry itself and the technology that's developed over the last 10 or 15 years has changed emphatically the way this industry needs to look at itself. So the challenge isn't technology anymore. The challenge yeah. is cognitive. Can we conceive of an energy system that is different to the one that we've, we've had to use or we've developed over the last 100 years? I mean, you talked about, I think it was in Thailand, you were talking about partners in Thailand. Yeah. Are you finding that the, the governments that you're working with at the moment, are they open and receptive? Are they are they funding? Are they helping? Are they opening their door and saying, we would love a solution here? Or are you finding that they're closing the door in your face and going, it ain't broke, let's not fix it. We're getting the backhanders, perhaps. No. You didn't hear that here. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. <laughs> how, how much are they embracing this at the moment? So depending on where we are, the level of embracing uh, is either uh, warm or very warm. Oh, good. So nobody will t- nobody can deny that the power system that we run here in Australia is broken. Mm. Um, the, the, it's the in the news every week. week. It's in the news every week. Consumers are paying more for it. They're demanding uh, a better quality of supply from reliability terms as well as, as cost, as well as carbon. Yeah. So when we're working in an environment like the one we're working with in Thailand with our partners there, the level of a kind of entrenched maturity around the regulatory framework there isn't what we've experienced. So yes. we, we've been under this regulatory regime or this regulatory glide path for a lot longer than some of the more developing economies. So your Southeast Asia's, your Africa's, your India's. So they're their kind of reliance or their addiction to the existing regulatory framework just isn't there. So we can propose a a new way of doing things in in the same way that mobile telephony kind of 
leapfrogged terrestrial telephone lines in parts of the developing economies, we can do the same thing with the power system. So move away from large-scale interconnected systems to a series of dynamic distributed integrated distribution systems like we are in Thailand in a way that doesn't confront. But even in Australia, we're running a program in Perth, a smart cities project that's funded by the Commonwealth Government. So there is a a level of, of commitment to understanding how a new energy system can evolve, how a new energy economy can evolve. So nobody will tell you that the power system is not broken, so we don't need to fix it. What they'll tell you is it's broken, we're not sure how to fix it. And we're looking at a range of ways that can preserve the value of our existing system, so preserve the value of the networks that we've got there and all this big investment uh, in a, you know, what is fundamentally an, an economic asset, but at its core, a social asset as well. And we can preserve the value of those things by rethinking the way we use them and the way we encourage consumers to invest in distributed renewables to share the value of the excess capacity that they've got in a way that provides a good economic outcome for them and incentivises more and more people to take part in that distributed energy economy. So listen, from one of the most successful ICOs, possibly the most successful, I don't know how we're going to measure that, but you did very well on your raise. I remember, uh, was it December last year, October? Uh, it was October? August through to October. August. Yep. I remember seeing it on the television, I remember seeing it in the press. You did a, you ran a very tight campaign, shall mm-hmm. we say. You, you hit all the, all the right channels, so well done on that. But the rubber's hitting the road now. Yep. And what we like to see on this show and interview and speak to is people that are doing, yep. not people that are trying to find solutions to fix. Mm-hmm. You are doing. You've talked about your Thailand partner. You've talked mm-hmm. about, was it Fremantle just now you expect yep. with the Australian government? Mm-hmm. What else has PowerLedger got in the pipeline that you are able to talk about? Talk about? Sure. So we're working with Kepco in Japan. So Kepco is the Kansai Asset Power Company, yeah. biggest private utility in Japan. And we're working on a, a virtual power plant project with them in Osaka. We've got trading environments on both sides of the US. So in Chicago with Northwestern University, it's part of their Masters of Engineering program, doing trading across their Chicago campus. And one of the really exciting ones is working in, in, in Silicon Valley, with Silicon Valley Power in the city of Santa yes. Clara, where it's a derivative of energy trading, where we're still using the base functionality of being able to identify where every kilowatt hour came from. But we're doing that in a way that allows us to tie the creation of a, a carbon credit, if you like, a low carbon fuel ah, substitution yes. credit, to allow people who are charging EVs from purely renewable sources to participate in a low carbon fuel substitution program in, uh, in California. And that's cool for us taking uh, technology we developed in Perth at you know, the far reaches of the yeah. universe to a place like Silicon Valley. <laughs> and being noticed. Yeah, and being noticed. And I think that's, you know, in the environment that we're in, everything we do is under the glare of you know, public scrutiny. It's, it's an interesting environment. The technology we're using is, you know, it, it's cutting edge, so that a lot of people are interested in it for a whole range of reasons, both kind of the crypto side as well as the blockchain yeah. technology side. And the renewable side. And the renewable side. And it's an industry that touches all of us. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, everything we do feels like it's in the spotlight. But we've never resolved from that. In fact, we've wanted this to, you know, the spotlight to pull on us to say that we're, we're doing this thing in Makes a way responsible that... responsible too. It forces that on you, doesn't yeah. it? it? It it makes sure that what you do, you're doing for the right yeah. reasons. So the the people that are supporting you can have some comfort that these guys are. You know, we we might make mistakes along the way, but what we're doing, we intend to do for all of the right reasons to support our supporters and to fundamentally to change the way that we enjoy our electricity. And so that's that's really what we're about: making sure that low cost, low carbon energy is available to everybody. What is the reason for the token? 
The token provides three things. It provides access to our software. It provides access to a pool of, of cryptographic tokens that allow us to do that instant or, or latency-free transaction for the value of energy. And it provides a prudential guarantee so that if you're hosting a trading environment, we require you to stake uh, an element of power tokens. Yep. Uh, and they sit in escrow. You don't lose them. You don't, you don't sell them. They're yours, but you don't have access to them for the period that you're running a trading environment. And so having them there protects your energy traders for you doing a runner. Um, if you disappear with their money, we've got your power token. So it provides that prudential guarantee, which is what happens in a traditional mature energy market. Big players are required to provide a, a bank guarantee or a prudential guarantee to cover their, their trading exposure. Yep. So it really mirrors that, but using the cryptographic currency to, to provide that, that coverage. Wow. Well, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I can't believe we haven't spoken prior to this. Yeah. And it's, it's great having you on the show. For those of you who want to find out more about PowerLedger, where do they find out and what can they plug into? PowerLedger.io. Uh, we've got Telegram groups. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook and all the, you know, the social platforms. But our Telegram groups are, are really well patronised, I guess, or, or used. And one of us is always in there. So, you know, the questions come thick and fast and they've usually been asked before. So, this, you know, the community answers a lot of them yes. themselves, but our community managers are always on hand. And more often than not, there's one of the, of the teams available to answer questions as well. So we try and stay really in touch with our community. So the Telegram group is probably the best one. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, David Martin, the CEO of Power Ledger, thank you so much for My your pleasure. time. Thank you. I look, for, uh, look forward to continuing to watch your progress. Mm -hmm. And I wish you all the success in the world for so okay. many reasons. Sure so thank we'll you soon. very much for your time. My pleasure. There you go, guys. Have a great day. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast. Check out TraderCobb.com because experience matters.